It's true, Lord. We want the world to know it. That great are you. Great are you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, how we wish the world would know it. Oh, how we wish some of the people that go to church would know it. Lord, you are great. Why are you great? Because you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. This is the reason you came, Lord, to redeem us from our from sin's debt, which is death. And you give us eternal life in your kingdom. We're so blessed. Blessed are we, Lord, to be called Christians. Blessed are we because you claimed us for your own. And now our citizenship is in heaven with you. We're no longer part of this world. We're part of your world. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Great are you, Lord. I pray that this coming holy weeks coming up here, Lord, the people will see how great you are. As they sit in their pews, as they sit in their chairs, as they listen to the worship, as they pray, and as the preacher preaches, I pray that the Holy Spirit would grab a hold of their hearts and they would come to you. And they wouldn't just come to you and say they're of you, but they will be doing the works that you called them to do, using the gifts or the gift that you have given them to serve you. Lord, many people, as I said earlier, prayed earlier, Lord, will be going to churches this Sunday and next Sunday because it's Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. they got to remember that Jesus didn't rise today. He rose 2,000 years ago. And we just celebrate the anniversary of his resurrection. And Lord, that they would be gripped to the heart and they would see and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Give them the revelation, the revelatory knowledge that they need to find that Jesus Christ is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That they would find out he did indeed pay for our sins. He was being led as a lamb to the slaughter. Lord, let the world know that this week and next week and all the weeks to come as the preachers preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, everyone. For those online, we're glad you're here. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. I'm glad you're here. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. You know, uh, we're very close to I-95. You go, you're coming uh, south or north on I-95. You get off at High Paluxo Road. You head west for about a quarter mile. We're on the right-hand side, which is the north side of High Paluxo Road. And you're welcome to come here, you know, uh, on Sunday or every Thursday night at 7.15. And we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. For men, For men, uh, we have a Bible study that's not aired online, but it's here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And you're, you would love to have you come on by. We have great teaching, great fellowship, and even great prayers as the Lord 
uh, leads us. A bunch of men getting together to praise the Lord. That is something uh, beautiful. Not that there's too many of us. But I've been in groups where there be five, six hundred men praising the Lord, and there's nothing more beautiful than that other than the singing in the spirit that the angels seem to do <laughs> whenever you're in a charismatic-type church. You know, um, it's amazing what, how beautiful we sound when we work in harmony and sing in harmony with one another. So anyway, um, we're glad you're here. Every Thursday night, for those online, we're here, as I said, 715. Tonight we're studying in Philippians chapter 2, so get your Bibles out. If you're online, your website is freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. Maybe you're just scanning, surfing the net, and you end up here. That's who you're listening to, Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. You can go online. It's uh, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org in Florida. And uh, you can find out any of the messages that we have done over the past several years. You can uh, see our ministries. You can find out our location. You can check on what we believe. You can even donate online. Just go to the Give Life button as the Lord may lead you. And we thank you for your gifts and offerings, those here and those online. Um, so, I think that's about it. Thank you for your tithes and offerings. I said that. And we'll let's get into our Bible study. I want you to remember, though, before you know, this coming week is is Holy Week. Uh, you know, starting Sunday is Palm Sunday. So get out to church. Get out to church. And uh, the following. Thursday, Friday is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and of course next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, as as the Americans and most Christians call it. So don't forget, Jesus isn't going to rise up this this Easter Sunday. He already rose 2,000 years ago, and he's alive and well right here, right now, for where two or three are gathered in his name. He's right here in the midst of us. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. If you're looking at Paul's epistles, it's, it's General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. There's three small, there's three, four small books. Philippians, if you remember right, Paul is in prison and he's writing. And tonight we're going to see, you know, he has a couple friends with him. As we, as we read the Word of God. We're going to start. We did the first eight verses last week. You know, this week we're going to do verses 9 through 30. Hopefully I can get through it. Uh, verses 9 through 30. The title of this message is Seven Steps in Jesus' Exaltation. Seven Steps in Jesus' Exaltation. I want to read verses... Um, 9 through 30. I'm reading from the New King James verses. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, 
not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who have sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. We're going to see a little character study here on, the, on verse 25 through 30. It's a Christian named Epaphroditus. It's a character study. We're going to get to that hopefully at the end of this study. Verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs. Since he was longing for you all, he was distressed because you had, he, you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. You know, there's a, there's a, a true disciple right there, Epaphroditus. And we have three of them here. We have Timothy and we have Paul. Paul's in prison, as you well know. Now, it starts out, and I named this Seven Steps in Jesus' Exaltation, but we're going to uh, have go through a few things before we even get there. Verse 9 and 10 said this. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and on those under the earth. We Here we see three inhabited worlds. 
The world doesn't like to think of it. But there are three inhabited worlds coming out of this verse, and not just this verse, but as you read through the Bible. There's heaven in, verses, in verse 10. Job 1.6 says this, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with also among them. You know, we see that, that there's an inhabited world of heaven. In Colossians 1, 15 through 18, I'm going to turn there for you. It's the next book, slightly to your right. Just turn a couple pages. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 through 18. Main verse here is going to be verse 16. He is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Listen, we see that this world is inhabited with thrones and dominions, Revelation 12.12 says this, The devil has come down um, knowing he has but a short time. The devil has come down. I believe there he was thrown out. He has a short time to mess up this world. Now, you know with God's uh, thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years. So far, you know, we've been, you know, the earth has been messed up by the devil, but he knows he has a short time. When you compare thousands of years to eternity, I don't think it would even show a mark on the blip scale of a, a line of eternity. He knows he has a short time. He's a defeated foe. Jesus conquered him at the cross. He defeated him. He made an open spectacle of him. You can find that as you read along in the book of Colossians. There's also an inhabited world called the earth. We see it right here in verse 10. Colossians uh, 1.6 and say in the same chapter, says this, which has come down as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and grew and knew the grace of God in truth. That's an inhabited world. So we have heaven that's an inhabited world. We have earth that's an inhabited world. And we have an underworld that's an inhabited world that we see also in verse 10 of Philippians. And we read it again too. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. There's three inhabited worlds. This underworld is called in Greek, katachathonis. That means under the earth. It's subterranean. It's subterranean. And it's an infernal world. Now we know from scientists say that the earth in the middle is a ball of fire. You know, I don't know if that's true. And I don't even care if it's, it's true to court of scientists. Because scientists are somewhat right sometimes. But if they don't line up with this, they're wrong. That's all the way I look at it. And it's absolutely true. Because God is the truth. You know, it's a subterranean world. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8 through 10, 
When he ascended on high, this is Jesus, he led the captives captive, the ones that were captive, captive in a holding place until they were led into the kingdom of heaven because nobody got into heaven until Jesus died and opened the gates. Nobody actually got into the kingdom of heaven. Now that he ascended, uh, he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10, that he descended is the same that he ascended up far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. Psalm 16, verse, verses, well, let me, go, let me go over this. This includes what I just read in Ephesians 4, 8, includes an inhabited world, and it's called Tartarus in Greek, which is another word for, for abyss, the abyss, or Hades. 2 Peter 2, verse 4. If God spare not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, which is the deepest abyss of Hades, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. This tells you that there's an underworld. And in that underworld, you know, God has already sent some evil, evil entities to the abyss and they are reserved in chains of darkness waiting for judgment. That means they were so evil that God just had them chained up and they're done. They're, they're useless in this world because they're not even going to be released when Abalon, according to Revelation, you know, uh, has the key and opens up the abyss. These guys are already done for. They're chains forever in darkness. Even in Jude, verse 6 and verse 7, since there's only one chapter in Jude, but the angels which did not keep their estate but left their own inhabitants, they didn't stay in the estate they were created in heaven, they left their own inhabitants. We have reserved, he, God, has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of that great day. They're going to be judged on that great day. That's the great white throne judgment you know, uh, could possibly be. I don't know when they'll be judged before or after the the uh, saints, or not the saints, but uh, ones that have not accepted Christ and end up before the, the white throne. They're the ones that didn't do and didn't receive Christ as their Savior because their name was not written in the book. In verse 7 of Jude, verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, suffering vengeance of eternal fire. Listen, there's an underworld. There's, there's a heaven, there's an earth, and there is an underworld that is inhabited. In heaven, as far as I'm concerned, it's holy. God's the only one there along with the holy angels. I don't believe heaven is the atmosphere. We have the atmosphere. I think that's where Satan does his damage in the angels' war. And then we have, when we have earth, and then we have the underworld that is prepared for the devil and his angel. It was not created for mankind. Last week, you know, this week we, we see the seven steps in Jesus' exaltation. Last week we saw the seven steps in his humiliation. Jesus is, is humbled in the first part and in the, in the first chapter. And in the second chapter, he's, uh, he's, he's um, 
exalted. So I just want to review those we last, you know, those steps we learned last week in Jesus' humiliation. Number one, he was set apart to be humble. He was set apart. This is God Almighty, you know, that, that reigned in heaven, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was set apart to be humble, sent down to earth in a humble manner as a babe in a manger. He was completely dependent on his Father to make sure that he was he was cared for. And God the Father, of course, and the Holy Spirit did take care of it because when when Herod went to kill the babies, he had no idea that Jesus was already in Egypt with his mother and father, mother and stepfather, because because the dream went to Joseph and they get out of the get out of there and go to Egypt. Okay. In his humiliation he laid aside his divine form. In, in heaven, he had a divine form. You know, we see him all through the scriptures. He's dressed as Melchizedek, a higher order of priesthood, because he is the high priest. You know, we know that the high priests in Israel, you know, were, were of the Lev- Levitical line. Melchizedek is not of the, uh, the Levitical line. Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. He's the only one that fulfills all three of those positions. David was a prophet and a king. Samuel um, was a, a prophet and a priest, but nobody fulfilled the, the uh, prophet, priest, and king. Melchizedek is a higher order of priesthood. Jesus is Melchizedek. If you read Hebrews, you'll find out there was no beginning, there was no end, without mother, without father. So we see that this is an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, post, you know, um, pre incarnate Christ. We see that many times in the scriptures. Jesus laid aside his design form. Three angels went to Abraham at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. One of them, Abraham, bowed down before them because he recognized him as the Lord. And then the two angels went into the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to find out if the call from from heaven was as deep as it, from hell was as deep as it was you know, so they came down to check it out, and they found out that it was just as bad, if not worse, because these men were homosexuals, they were Sodomites, and they tried to Sodomite a, an angel of God. And, of course, the other angel stayed with Abraham. As Abraham said, would you destroy the city if there were 50 righteous? And he said, no, I wouldn't. If there's 40, if there's 35, if there's 20, if there's 25, and he got down to 10. And he said, I won't destroy the city. But when the angels went in, there was only eight. So he rained fire and brimstone on there and brought the eight out. Then we see him as the captain of the hosts of the Lord, as Joshua was preparing to go against Jericho. We see him. He laid aside his, 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 his majesty, his divine form. We see him wrestling with Jacob. And Jacob prevailed. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God changed. And he was wrestling with a pre-incarnate form of Christ. I mean, a pre-incarnate Christ who wrestled with him and touched his hip so that he would limp in the rest of his life always to remember that angel he wrestled with. And that angel changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob, which means deceiver and subplanter, to Israel, which means governed 
by God. He was born again. What can I say? This is a kind of a, if you could, if you could relate it to anything, you could say Jacob was born again. He was renamed. He actually understood who this angel was wrestling with him. And there's more accounts like that. He laid aside his divine form. Number three, he made himself of no reputation. He was a child. He was a child. He was humble. He was like a child. He was under the, under the, the management and the, of his parents. And, of course, he obeyed. Number four, he took the form of a servant. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, says Mark 10:45. He came as a servant. And a lot of these pastors and a lot of big wigs today, they, they do exactly the opposite. They got a rule with an iron fist. I'm, I'm, of that, I'm not of that mindset. I'm not of that mindset whatsoever. I believe God's in charge. And I'm his servant, and I believe he, he stands for me. Because as, you, as you're a servant leader, which goes against the grain of the world, it goes against even the leadership in the churches in a lot of times. And it makes you look like you're, you're meek or humble or you're, you're not a strong man. And that's, I'm sorry, it's exactly the opposite of that. It takes a bigger man to believe in faith than it does to, to, to try to get it done on your own willpower. That's why I said earlier, you know, that, you know, that, um, you know, we labor in vain if we build the church. We've got to trust the Lord to build the church. Number five, he was made in the likeness of man. Hebrews 10.5 tells us a body was prepared for him. Jesus didn't, he wasn't you know, uh, gorgeous like some of the, the movie stars out there today. He was just an average man. He had an average appearance. He was, he was made in the likeness of man. There was a body prepared for him. The Father had that all prepared for him. Number six, in his humiliation, he humbled himself. He was being made a little lower than the angels. He was despised and he was rejected, says Isaiah a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And number seven, in his humiliation, he became obedient unto death. Isaiah tells us he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. God says that he demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Philippians 2 Verse 9 here says, God also highly exalted him in his, humili in his humiliation states here. We learned that last week. Now, this week, there's seven steps in his exaltation. Verse 9. Again, I'll read it. Therefore, these are, these are very beautiful verses. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. He is highly exalted. If you went to Ephesians with his back to your left and to go to the first chapter, and if you turn to verse 20, Ephesians 1, verse 20, you will see which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He is exalted to a heavenly place. He's going to be when this, this 
trial is all over here on earth when he redeems us from our sins. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 4, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 4, having become so much better than the angels, he wa- he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. See, He's been given a name that's more excellent than, than any angel. He's greater than Michael. He's not Michael's brother. He's not, you know, he's he's not Gabriel. He's not brother. He's This is the creator of the earth and the heavens. Remember I told you, Genesis 1 through 3, in the beginning God created. There's the Father. In the second verse, you know, the Spirit of God hoovered over the face of the water. There's the Spirit. And in verse 3, Then God said, and we know that Jesus Christ, according to the Scripture, is the very Word of God. So in the first three verses of the Bible, since the first verse talks about Elohim, the plural plural name for God, Elohim, not El, opens up the door for the Trinity, and God immediately shows you the Trinity in verse 1, God the Father, verse 2, the Spirit, and verse 3, God speaking, and Jesus is the Word of God, which was made flesh. So easy. So simple, and man just does not get it sometimes. Verse 2, he has been given a name above every name. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. He's going to die for everyone, not the, not just the Jewish people, not just the, the Gentile people, not just the, the Spanish people, not just the Italian people or the French people, but all people, all people. He made himself to be Savior of the world, and every knee is going to bow before him. You know, that's number three in his exaltation. First, we have God has highly exalted him. Number first, number second step, he has been given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. You might as well do it now. You may as well do it now because you will do it in the future. You will be looking on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And even if he isn't your Lord and Savior, you will bow and say that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every knee is going to bow before him. The word of God is clear that that his name would be Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. The angel said to Mary in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 23, the angel said, call him his name Jesus, because he will save their people, his people from their sins. And Isaiah 7, 14, it tells us that a virgin therefore will be with child. She shall bear a child. And shall give him a name, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, the name of Jesus means God saves. Ephesians 1, verse 20. I'm giving you exercise in the book and the Bible here today, which is always good. Okay? Ephesians 1, verse 20. And 21. 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. His name is above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. And verse, go into Revelation, last book of the Bible, chapter 5. Revelation, chapter 5, and verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, heaven, earth, and under the earth, there's the three, three inhabited worlds again, and such as we, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessed, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Listen, Jesus is highly exalted now. He was humbled, but now he's highly exalted. He is given a name above every name. There's no name greater than Jesus Christ. And he's been made Savior of the world, and every knee is going to bow. And number four, every knee in heaven will exalt him. Every knee in heaven will turn back, and you're still in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10. Chapter 4 and verse 10. And the 24 elders fall down, before him who sits on the throne and worshiped him and who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by you you your will they exist and are created listen every knee in heaven will exalt him the 24 elders I'm convinced the 24 elders are the 12 apostles and the 12 patriarchs of Israel. Okay? The 12, the 12 uh, tribes of Israel represented on those. And you are going to... Did you know there's five rewards for every believer on this earth? God's into rewards. You know, He rewards those who, who work for one hour and, and harvest it and the ones that work for 12 hours and harvest it. They all got a reward. God is into rewards. There are rewards for Christians. You don't have to, you know, we should try to get all the rewards we could. Some of you may have all five crowns. Some of you may not have any crown. I don't know. Some of them you may think you have it, and you don't have it because you exalted yourself instead of God. Every need, you know, we in heaven is going to exalt him. And these 24 elders, they cast their crowns before the Lord. They cast their crowns before the Lord. In verse, another step in his exaltation is, is um, the things on earth will exalt him. Turn to Matthew 28 and verse 18. This is one of the, the commission verses. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Twenty-eight and verse eighteen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
go therefore. You can go therefore into the world because because he's with you. You've been he's been given authority to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go. And did you know that even the angels worship him? Turn to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6 again. I should have caught this last time around when we were in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. That's reference to Jesus. And the angels... He says, who makes his angels' spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Listen, he is highly exalted now. Yes, he was humbled, but now he is highly exalted, and there's no name on the face of the earth that's any better than the name of Jesus. That's the, that's the true Jesus. The Jesus that was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. That Jesus. Not your, your Jesus, your cousin down in Mexico or, or Guatemala or wherever you're from. Number six, and his steps of his uh, humiliation, uh, his exaltation. Things under the earth will exalt him. I read you, Jude. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you, Jude, verse 6. The little book of Jude is a powerful book. So right before the book of Revelation, right before the book of Revelation, it's only one chapter, verse 6 and 7, which I read you. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain of heaven, but left their own abode because they followed Satan, or Lucifer back then, he was... he has reserved them in chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set apart as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be in that eternal fire. I want to exalt Jesus. I, you know, I got before the Lord today and I said this, I can't do hell, Lord. I can't do hell. I don't want to do hell. I want to be with you forever. And we, I said you, I also read to you Second Peter 2.24. And since we're in the general area, let's just get there. I think it does more justice if I can quote it to you. First Peter, or Second Peter, I'm sorry. Verse chapter 2 and 24. These are good verses that you memorize, you know, when the enemy tries to attack you. Jude 6 and 7 and first, Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. I'm sorry, it's First Peter, obviously, 2 and 24 who himself bore our sins in his own bodies on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. Hmm. 2.24. Am I in the right verse? By whose stripes you were healed. For all of us like sheep have gone astray. 
now is turned shepherd and over to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. How come I got that verse wrong? I can't believe it. I love that verse. Two twenty-four, two twenty-two. Oh well, you know the verse. I just quoted it to you not a little while ago. Anyway, it's there. I don't got time to look for it, but I'm 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 distraught here. First Peter two twenty-four. Huh? I'm sorry, Lewis. I can't hear you. Yeah. You have it? What's it say? Yeah, that's the wrong verse. Yeah, it's the wrong letter. I had to look that up. I know Jim knows it. Uh, you know, where, um, where, you know, the. The Jesus sent the certain devils to, to into bondage, into bondage. Anyway, I'll, when I think of it, I'll come up with it for you. Number seven. I did use six and seven, but there's another verse in Second Peter or First Peter, which uh, maybe it's one twenty-four. First Peter, one twenty-four. No, maybe it's Peter. Second Peter one twenty. Second Peter what? Two four. Yeah, that's it. Second Peter two four. I've got twenty four. For God, for if God did not spare the angels who have sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So, you know, that's, that's um, even the things under the earth will exalt him. And it's, two, it's just 2-4. Okay, I put 2-24. Number seven in his exaltation, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This does not mean, okay, that everyone that everyone that confesses, let's see, this does not mean every tongue will confess he is their Savior. Let's put it that way doesn't mean that they will confess He is their Savior. There's just people that will just downright deny that Jesus is going to be their Savior. We, we are of the opposite means. We will confess Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. But there's some people that will, will, um, they will, will not, will confess. So some, this does not mean every tongue will confess He is their Savior. Some will, will not some will have a dark heart. Some of them are just going to have a hard heart to the point where they will not confess Jesus as Savior, and they will be sent to the underworld. 
but even those in hell will recognize Jesus is Savior, but they won't admit that he's Savior. Boy, that's hard-heartedness. I don't know about you guys if you don't see it. If you don't see a dark heart. Jesus is our friend if, according to John 15, 14, where Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. These people don't want to be commanded by the Lord. Now, they will not submit to the Lord. Jesus is your Lord if you obey him. Here's Matthew 27, or 7, I'm sorry, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we, we cast out demons? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Some people just aren't doing it right. Turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 13 uh, through 14. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Well, that, that's, I'm sorry, that's the wrong verse. I'm, I said 5, I'm reading 3. This is Revelation 5, 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, all the three inhabited places, and such are in the sea, all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power, be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever. Verse 12 of Philippians. Turn back to Philippians. I know I have you bouncing all over the scriptures here tonight. But you know, the truth will set you free, but it's the truth that you know that will set you free. That's assumed. So the more you blow the scriptures, the more you'll be set free because you'll know you've been set free by certain, certain things. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, we'll start at. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now how much more in my presence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're to work out our own salvation until it is completed. Every day of our life until we're called home, we're going to be working out our salvation. You know, we're going to be driving down the street. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and convict you of a certain sin, and you're going to repent of it. He's not going to condemn you. He's going to convict you. Listen, you gave up the cigarettes. You gave up the beer. You gave up the alcohol. You gave up the F word. But now I have this to deal with you. You know, you like to exaggerate. You like to lie on the telephone. You think a little white lie isn't a sin, but it is a sin. And that little white lie, Jesus had to be crucified to pay the penalty of that sin. In other words, until your graduation, we have work to do and working out our salvation, our graduation when we get to the kingdom of heaven. Philippians 3, while we're right here, verses 10, uh, verse 20 and 21. Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conform to the glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, we're going to get a glorious body someday. 
And that's going to be after, you know, we work out our salvation through fear and trembling. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14 says this, Take heed that those who think they stand firm, what? Beware lest you fall. I, I know people that think they're standing firm in the Word, and they you better watch out because you can fall. If you think you can't have, you can't, that you're, that you're, you've, you've uh, arrived, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. That's all i got to say to you. Okay? Then we know the next verse, 13, no temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with that temptation, he will provide each of us a way of escape that we're able to endure it. And then he goes on in the 14th verse, therefore, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Verses 13 through 16 of Philippians chapter 2. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul, you know, is, is trying to keep them on a straight and narrow. The man who will not use his power to work out his salvation will be held responsible for it. That's basically what he's saying. All men in Christ have the power, but a lot of us don't use it. You have the power to cast out demons. You have the power to lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Just like I said on Sunday, Elisha prayed for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You got more than a double portion. You do. You have more than a double portion. Elisha and Elijah wish they had the presence always with them. We do today. Well, why do we slink back? When the Lord returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he? True faith? Listen, God's working in us, His good pleasure, whom you shall shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, says Paul. Listen, men have the power of God, but they don't use it. We need to use it more often. We have power. Because we're told that signs will accompany us if we believe in his name. In his name we cast out demons. We speak with new tongues. We can drink deadly poison and shall not hurt us. We can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? We have the power. Same power to raise Jesus from the dead lives in us. Ephesians chapter 2. Revelation 22, 7. Come and let those who are thirsty come and drink. Let him take of the water of life freely. Listen, we have the power, but we, we have to use it. We have to use it. Here's six results of, of our obedience. Number one, we're blameless before God, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Number two, 
were harmless before men. Behold, I send you out as, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Number three, being sons of God. Here's what Romans 8, chapter 14 through 16 says. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears with your spirit that we are the children of God. Your spirit bears together with our, your spirit, with his spirit, that we are children of God. You are a child of God. Number four, without rebuke by men, Second Peter 3.14, Therefore, beloved, be diligent, spotless, and without blemish, to be found by him in peace. Without rebuke from man, Ephesians 1.4 also could go under that point. According, accordingly, as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And we should, number five, we should shine as lights. Jesus told us that I am the light of the world. He told us that you are lights. You are lights in the world. It's like the sun. You know, you spell the sun, S-U-N, but if you take that sun, and he's the, the sun is the radiance. So you take the sun, the S-U-N, and the light that comes off the sun illuminates or reflects from the moon. Well, our lives are supposed to reflect Jesus because he's our, he's the, the power, he's the source, he's, he's the living flame. But as we are in him, we should reflect that light in other words, when we're walking out in the presence of mankind, our bodies should be illuminated before them to the point they say, what's different about you? Are you a Christian? You know, that's what they should be saying to us because we're reflecting the light of Jesus. Yet Christians today, they go around and flaunt their sins. They're in adultery to go to church. You know, they sit in church and do things that they shouldn't do. You know, they're, they, they flaunt their homosexuality, which is nonsense. The Bible doesn't say flaunt your sin. It says repent of your sins. That means turn away from them. You don't flaunt them. And I know that goes against the grain with a lot of people, but I didn't say it. God said it. Read Romans chapter 1. I'm just a messenger to that. And it's true. It's true. You don't flaunt your sin. There's sins in my life that I do. Listen, I don't flaunt them. Listen, I'm embarrassed by them. I don't flaunt them, and I don't want to flaunt them. We are to reflect Jesus. We should look like Jesus in this world. Number six, hold forth the word of life. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Turn 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You know the verse. Whose minds the God of this world has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. Some people don't want the light to shine on them. They're afraid to be called a Christian. Therefore, they lack power because they're ashamed of, of Christ. We're to be a lighthouse to men and to bring them to safe harbor, 
That's our job. We're a lighthouse before men, reflecting the light of Jesus. And what does a lighthouse do? It protects the ships from crashing on the rocks or the sandbars that are out there. When a sailor sees a lighthouse, they know that there's danger ahead. And they, I don't know how they do it, they turn out of the way. Paul is willing to be set apart or consecrated to death. And I'm going to end it here. Verse 17 and 18 of uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verse 17 and 18. Yes, and if I am being poured out, this is Paul talking, as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is willing right here to be consecrated or set apart to death. Paul, remember in the first chapter, he says, you know, I, you know, it's more expedient that I stay with you because it'll, I'll be bearing more fruit, but I'd rather go and be with Christ. You know, that's what Paul's saying. But he's saying, listen, if God wants me here, I'm willing to stay. But I'd rather go. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what he said in the first nine verses. That's the way Paul is. You know what? We should be of that same mindset. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. When you die... You're going to be looking in the face of Jesus. I said, I don't want to go right now. I'd like to stick around a few more years. I feel I have a, a lot of more years. I, I feel I have a lot to, to say, to do, to preach, to study, to learn. But we should all be willing and, and excited about getting to heaven. Once you see Jesus' face, all this will just be drowned out. Oh, I can say. Listen, next week we're going to start in the 19th verse. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, highlight my, my, my book, my Bible. I'm going to start at the 19th verse, and we'll finish to the 30th verse. We got, like I mentioned earlier, we got a character study uh, in in um, with Epaphroditus, and he's is he's a godly man. You don't see much of him in the Scripture. He's mentioned in a couple other books. That's about it. But one thing about him, he was willing to lay down his life for Jesus, just like Paul. And so was Timothy. And those two guys hung around Timothy quite, or Paul quite often. And, and Paul was reflecting the light of Christ in their lives to the point they wanted to be a disciple, an apostle, just like, like uh, Paul was. So let's close in prayer. For those of you, on, you online, tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. Freedom Church. FreedomChurchPB.org. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word here tonight. Lord, we give you the glory, the praise, the honor in Jesus' name. Help us to be lights in this world, reflecting the light of Jesus. And to you be the glory for it all. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you all.